Hey, this is Ross Payton with Roleplaying Public Radio, and this is RPPR episode 81, Mega Damage. And with me, as always, is Dom Church. Are we? Are any of us really here, truly? Yes, we're on the internet, Tom, a vast network of tubes and cats. Well, in that case, we're fucking real. Yes, we are. And I'm here with real. you, absolutely, on the this internet thing. With a grumpy cat and... Uh, some and all the other rage cats. faces and all the other memes that are new and topical. They, we are one with them. We even lift. So uh, we lift dice to roll them. That's that's what I mm-hmm. see what I did there. And soon RPPR will have as many hits as Gangnam Style. Tom, don't even joke about that. Oh, it's done. It's that's my prediction. <laughs> you can... like those predictions I made for the election and the Mayan apocalypse. Totally. Yeah. Hey. Enjoy the time you have left. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, it's been a while. We have been quite busy here at RPPR recording new uh, actual play episodes. And, of course, I've been working on Base Raiders. And uh, I've uh, we first off, before we get to the main episode topic, which is about the Palladium system, uh, this episode uh, topic, it shall be noted, was chosen by Mr. Tom Church here. I did. Yeah. The title, the topic, every yeah. I, I chose. It. I felt he, he is responsible, is what I'm saying. He is liable for it. He is. Oh, I see where this is going. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so, and I'm allowing you to pitch your crap on my episode. <laughs> That's what I'm this doing. This is news, for you. Tom. This is news. Uh huh. News. Uh, first off, news. Storybundle.com. Uh, this is a. Kind of like the Humble Bundle and all these other bundles, but for books instead, ebooks instead of video games. And there are eight books, including Zombies of the World, as long as you pay the average of $8 or more uh, per book uh, or for, for the bundle, you can get all eight books. And they also have a novel. Uh, they, there's, so, there's eight books, fiction, nonfiction. Um, and one of these novels is from F. Paul Wilson, author of The Keep. Yes. One of my favorite books. And the novel is called The Select. It's a medical thriller. And uh, so the, just go to storybundle.com, take a look. Uh, this is also, it should be noted, this is the first time I've updated the ebooks for Zombies of the World since I released it last year. And so I finally created an iPad version of Zombies of the World. So if you get the Story Bundle, you'll get the PDF, the Kindle, and the uh, EPUB. Dot EPUB version of it. Uh, after the story bundle, I'll release the EPUB version separately, so you can buy that if you don't want to get the, everything. But it's eight dollars, so why aren't you getting it? So tell your friends, tell your family. It's a great Christmas gift. You can gift it to other people. So uh, that is my plug. This pitch brought to you by Tom's. Episode. It's news, Tom. It's news. It's press release or some crap. Brought like that. to you by my episode. <laughs> um, <laughs> And in other news, Base Raiders. Uh, now that's this is you can't even talk about like that as promotional because this is fucking on topic for the podcast, Tom. So I don't want to hear it. Anyway, yeah, that's right. Uh, you Base can't, Raiders. None of you can see it, but I'm staring at him. Yeah, he he is not. He is a grumpy Tom. So uh, in Base Raiders, we're um, hard work writing away. Uh, we've already started assigning art to uh, Ian Moody and the other artists, like the cover artist Ian McNelson uh, is doing some of the portraits for the character NPC chapter and uh, the pariah, the short story. I finished that. Uh, I've gotten the proof edit, proofreading editing marks back from the editors. Uh, Ian Moody's coming cover cover art for the ebook version of that. And so it's uh, going to be 10,000 words uh, about, so a little longer than a short story. But not, you know, not quite a novella. It's kind of in between. Anyways, I'll get that out uh, hopefully within a week as soon as I get the cover art and I finish editing it. 
revive getting you know making all the revisions necessary and when i send that out all the backers who also get all my my other ebooks i'll just create a zip file with all those i'll message you on kickstarter with all the info for all that so uh i'm hard at work and if you again if you have any questions on it feel free to ask on the rpp facebook rpp our facebook group uh, the kickstarter uh, the you know forums wherever just um, Ross am, has spoken. Yes, I'm here for you, the RPPR fan base. Oh, and one other thing, actually. Um, recently, I posted uh, a one shot of uh, Call Cthulhu called Hotline Miami, and uh, this is I did something unusual with that. Well, the whole game is pretty fucking weird, and I I can contest it. <laughs> I was in it, <laughs> and. The the thing that made it unusual is I well the thing uh, I've I actually did a postmortem where I wrote a detailed blog post on slangdesign.com describing how the how the fuck I merged Call of Cthulhu with Hotline Miami because if you're familiar with Hotline Miami you know there's not exactly it it can be pretty horrific but it's not explicitly a horror title so I was kind of going a little off the kind of David Lynch. Path. Yeah, David, very David Lynchian. So if you want to understand what the hell my thought process was for that, you can you can read a behind the scenes kind of design. It's a great it's a great it's a great read and shows why Ross needs many years of therapy. <laughs> Thanks, style. Did you read it? Did, what, yes, was, I did. Yeah, read would it. you any thoughts on it? Any critique? Well, I I knew where it was going and I yeah. thought it was a great idea, so I really didn't need an explanation. But okay. it confirmed a lot of my suspicions and I I realized that like I actually realized when I first started, like, oh, God, this stuff he's telling me I'm probably going to die, but that's what my character's thinking right now. <laughs> me with my rolling of a three for power. Yeah, yeah. And was, by God, I kept it. Yeah. Well, I once you did that, I was kind of reluctant to make sanity because I wanted you to be around for the finale. So I, I met again. You get, yeah, you gave, but you gave me a great way to yeah. do it. Like, thank you, Ross. You're healthy, son of a bitch. <laughs> when Ross, as a GM, starts helping you, I'm doing quote marks in the air, you're screwed. Yeah. No, not always. It just, it just most just about all the time in horror games. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Uh, <laughs> let's <laughs> moving on to the main topic. I guess that's it. That's it for the news. Uh, so, Tom, you want to talk about Palladium? I did. The well, company, the games. Well, I, I think it's well. I don't, I kind of want to. I want to avoid the company. I okay. mean, a lot of. I'm sure there's like there was that interview by Bill Coffin that yeah. was. Yeah, there's a lot. Of there's gossip. a lot of stuff on there's that. There's a lot of gossip, but and that I, not really what I'm interested in right now. Sure, I'm. I thought you know ever since we we started doing these you know episodes on individual systems like Eclipse Phase D and D. Yeah, I always wanted to do a one on Palladium because it is mainly because it's the game Ross and I both started with. Yeah, independently it, of each other. We yeah, always. independently. Like, this is before we met. Yeah, and uh, it was also actually the same game, which was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Other Strangeness. Yes, I've related the the anecdote of my first character and his first death in my first very game of. It was your brother. No, well, um, no, it was, it was your fr- brother's friend, right? Yeah. Okay. Who killed my character? So, like, hey Ross, come like I'm playing with the big kids. Is is this cool? Can I? Can I? Pretty much. Uh, I think that's how it kind of went. Uh, but, but what about you? And I, me, it was uh, my my first character was actually it was a uh, mutant greyhound. Yeah. I forget the name, and he was also my first death. How did you? How, how did you die? In- uh, the, one of the scenarios in the book, uh, you're tracking down some wolverine or a badger mm-hmm. or with a eye patch or something, and the the scenario explicitly states he's hiding in a freight car, uh, or he the, there's this freight car that he uses, but 
uh, in the train yard. But if you open the door without checking for traps, there's a package of C4 that will blow you up if you don't check for traps or use your mm-hmm. sixth sense or anything. So I was like, fuck, I opened the door. Oh, I blow up. Okay, I guess I'm dead. So that's pretty much yeah. in the scenario. Mine was a uh, gas t- tanker truck explosion. Okay. Because actually, because uh, the GM had apparently recently watched uh, The Terminator. Yeah. And thought, it really did kind of come out of nowhere. We were actually, like, we were trying to track down what we thought were a group of, uh, like, renegade mutants in uh, the, like, Mojave Desert. Who were, yeah. like, who were, like, raiding, like, it was kind of like the Hills Have Eyes, except it's yeah. mutant animals who are raiding cars on the road, and we were trying to stop them. And then this gasoline tanker truck comes by and apparently trips one of, trips one of their tire-slashing traps they set for cars, and it careened over the edge to where we were. <laughs> and uh, Nice. And it exploded. And we all had, we all had, we all had to make, uh, apparently, get-out-of-the-way get out rolls, and I did not do very well. Well, what was that role like? It was a D twenty. It was a D twenty, and pretty much, he even at even at the the, G, the GM was like my age. He was like eight. Yeah. But even he knew there was nothing, so he just said, "Roll a D twenty and get above like 10. So he just arbitrarily makes up the rules. Yeah. So that kind of that's kind of it's a, it's a great se- it's, a, it's a segue into the yeah, yeah, yeah the, the actual, actual thing that. Let's yeah. talk about palladium. Let's do. <laughs> uh, so with it, yeah, we we've been play, we played palladium both for that was for many it was in many years uh, up I, till yeah. high school. Yeah. Um, well, for me, it was like you can date it exactly. Um, I was play the games I played uh, were palladium, then AD and D, the one mm-hmm. second edition right before third edition. Uh, although the not very much. I read the books, but I didn't actually play right. very much. And nobody else was interested, but I mean, I just couldn't get enough of the oh fuck Dungeons and Dragons. This is awesome. Yeah, and then mine, yeah, and mine was Palladium, uh, AD and D, and World of Darkness. Yeah, well, I, I got into a little bit of the World of Darkness too. Again, reading more than I actually played. And books were cool. Yeah, and then Third Ed came out. Third Ed Dungeons and Dragons came out, and then that that yeah, I never yeah, looked that, back. I remember in our group that did kind of change everything. Yeah, I mean, it seemed kind of like pointless to play. Obviously, AD and D was obsolete, and yeah. World of Darkness was just kind of even by then the meta plot was just too much to keep up with. And uh, Palladium, it took third. I mean, people talk about how bad third edition is, but compared to Palladium, it was a breath of fresh air, and you can can see. I could see why, like after I started playing Third Ed, why I would never want to go back to Palladium because just the game mechanics are so different, and the game mechanics do make a huge difference. They do indeed. Um, because it, you know the example of your character's first death, giant fucking gas uh, tanker. tanker truck is coming towards you, falling, coming off, falling off the bridge, careening towards you. What do you? How do you not die? Well, in Third Ed, that's very easy. You make a dex check or a reflex save, which Mm -hmm. is derived from your dex and your character class. So that's very easy to figure out, and that's something anyone could do. But with Palladium, there is no sort of universal game. Or you don't need a universal game mechanic. There's no game mechanic period for that kind of situation. Um, I mean, that's kind of Palladium in a nutshell for me, which I mentioned, but is there's no nuts and bolts basic mechanics to get you do common things like every set of most role-playing games i've seen have like like here's how you do common things here's how you handle common situations falling poison 
avoiding large explosions, you mm-hmm. know, skill challenges, how to do difficult skill t- challenges, how to do chases, you know, very kind of like things that would happen in any kind of story yeah. that have any kind of action. But I mean, what you know, I'll, I'll go grab copy of riffs and or no, it's, I trust me, I've I've been researching this quite a bit during, during the whole time as Ross goes as Ross leaves the area. Oh, there he goes, he's gone. But yeah, he'll he'll come back. He'll come back. He always does. <laughs> I know, but reaching over to get. I know, but my I want, hard cop hardbound copy. I know, of which we both edition. which we both bought for one game. Yeah. Just for, yeah, the Eliminators. This is a signed copy, by the way. Explore the Megaverse, Kevin Symbieta, uh, and then some other people whose names I don't... I Probably Alex uh, Markinson. Um, I do not reckon... I cannot read their names. Well, that's, <laughs> so, a, that's, a, well, that's a problem often with signatures. Yeah, anyways. But it's... And the thing is, um, I'm going to tell you that when... Thir- I remember when Th- Third Ed first came out. And actually, I was like you, but I was a little more closeted. I still had a lot of loyalty to Palladium at that point, but as I played Third Ed, it did strike me that this is a better system. Because, you know, in that one, yeah, most of the roles you can make are clearly defined and explained. And they're, you know, there's like, you know, I think you really boil it down to the, you know, the saves, you know, for, you know, fortitude, reflex, and will. A lot of your shit can be determined between that and then your base attack and then your, you know, then your AC. Right. Well, I mean, the thing in that I like about Third Ed is like we you instinctively understand your saves are like reactive. Mm-hmm. They're they're not active abilities. They're how you react to certain situations, how you avoid danger, how you overcome certain sort of you know challenge. It's not you don't make a reflex save to do something actively. Like you know you don't make a will save to. Uh, outthink a guard or mm-hmm. outthink, you know, figure out a puzzle or something like that. Uh, you don't use a reflex save to beat a guard in a chase, you know, mm-hmm. uh, usually. So you, they use attribute checks for that or skill checks. And skill checks are derived from your attributes uh, and, and a few uh, other things. And it's very easy to figure yeah, that out. So, like, they, they, they divide your abilities. Um, and, then and the, thi- and the problem with, and the thing with Palladium is that there's so many saves that they have. I mean, just, you know, there's, you know, just actually when you're choosing your, you know, your, uh, your hand to hand skill, you know, doing your combat bonuses, they, there's about nine they list. First, it's the type of hand to hand you have. Then it goes, you know, like the number of attacks per round you have. It's, you know, then there's strike, hand to hand damage. Well, first, I, well, actually, I since I have the book, I'm, I, I rem- I've memorized most of them. Well, or for the savings throws. Mm-hmm. All right, what are they? All right, saving throws. Just this is just the combat stuff that I remember. Once again, it goes type, then it goes the number of attacks, hand to hand damage, save. It's uh, then it goes uh, to strike, init, parry, dodge, parry and dodge are two separate. No, those things. are. But I'm talking about saving throws, not not like bonuses on your hand to hand. Not your to parry and dodge, saving throws like save. There's save versus, versus coma death, save versus poison, save versus psionic attack. Then there's uh, th- these are all stuff ba- you know derived yeah. from your stats. There's uh, you know charm and impress. Mm, that's a that's an that's attribute, a, and that's, it's an attribute. It's thing. not then that's a percentile ability and uh, mental affinity. So there you go. See, and that's an active ability. Not there's well that what I, can, can you list all the saving throws and riffs? 
And I've, like, the thing is, I've been re- I've been actually making characters and researching this for three days. No, I cannot remember them all. Right. All for the record, here are yeah, the things. Page three forty six of Rift's Ultimate Edition. Cure uh, curses fifteen or better. Just what it says. Mm-hmm. Uh, disease fourteen or better. Lethal poison fourteen or better. Non lethal poison 16 or better so it's harder to say versus non lethal what poison. yeah harmful drugs 15 or better i don't know what a harmful drug is compared to a poison but acids no safe possible dodge uh insanity 12 or better sometimes <laughs> higher when is it higher <laughs> we don't know uh magic 12 to 16 depending on the power level of the spellcaster 16 or higher to save versus ritual magic psionic six or better for psy stalkers 10 or better for Master Psychics. 12 or better for Major and Minor Psychics. I don't know why Minor Psychics have it. Well, I guess that kind of makes sense. Um, 15 for Ordinary People and Animals. So those are the saving throws. So you mm-hmm. can. it doesn't give you what gives you a bonus to those. What That comes from your stats and other things. Yeah, not that they would list like mm-hmm. 15 or better plus they, do, they, did, they didn't even list save versus coma or death. Not here. Not that's one of them. Because that's well, that's an injury. That's that's a totally different section. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, well, I don't know where that is. Like, all right, let's let's talk about this uh, uh, some more. Like, I'm just looking here, and let's look at the contents. Just like, all right, first we have the setting, page nine, blah blah blah, over overview of CS life, blah 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 blah. All right, so the first forty one pages of the game are. Setting, background, background setting, background. All right, fair enough. Cool. Yeah. Characters, game designer notes, blah, 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 list of character classes. First character classes on page 45, and that goes to... Uh, <laughs> goes for a while. Uh, Dragon Hatchling, 156. So we got 100, 110, 120 pages of... Uh, um, character classes. Character classes. Then we have psionic powers and magic. That's immediately after characters. Then we have more set than magic spells, a list of all the magic spells, a list of all the psychic powers. Then we have the co- we go back to setting material. Coalition states 229. <laughs> so then we do the coalition states and oh, there's the coalition OCCs. Back to some more OCCs that we missed <laughs> earlier. Oh, well, thank God for that. Yeah, and then we uh coalition equipment, then common equipment, mega damage capacity, body armor, weapons, robot vehicles. And game rules, page 274, how to role play, what you need to play. Character creation, page 279. So we have the character classes listed before character creation mm-hmm. rules. Then we have the skill rules. Skill list takes up 30 pages. Um, then insanity, right after skills. Then combat rules. <laughs> then battle injuries and recovery. That's where you want the save versus going death. Let's find out what that is, by the way. That's 354. And uh, that's I'm sure the listeners really want to know this. I know. I, they're they're following with rapt attention as Ross flips pages. I know. All right. So saving versus coma death. This is actually a profession this is actually a percentile thing. And yeah, and it's based on like what kind of treatment you're getting. Uh, although apparently And your physical, physical endurance gives you a bonus depending on what it is. Yeah. So you do have that. Mm-hmm. Um, so battle injury, mega damage, range combat, psychic combat. Um and and this is the Rift's base book. This is and this is the ultimate edition. This is a revised edition. This isn't mm-hmm. even. This is the one they thought like we need to streamline. We need to make Rifts because better. I mean it's like the fans have been asking for that for ever, ever, ever yeah. since Rifts came out. Yeah. So I mean, the you 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 go through here and you don't have any 
clearly defined game mechanics to explain what your character can do, what you can't do. I mean, you, you kind of do, but you don't have these things like there's so many times in risk where you don't where you have situations like, how do I do this? You know, like mm-hmm. you, know, you have to make it up on the spot. You just kind of have to adjudicate it on the spot, which I mean, I understand from riffs and palladium systems origins in the 80s. Yeah, that was fine because that was, you know, the prehistory. That was, ugh, caveman era and, you know, the Where's Wild West. He's like, kill everything, get stuff. Fuck you. Yeah. But, um, I don't know. Uh, it, it is kind of, uh, you're just going through here and you you have all these different roles. You have all these skills. That's another thing. Like, you have all these skills that are just percentiles um, that... That all start at exactly the same level. You might you might get a bonus depending on what profession you choose. Yeah, profession and then and then there, and then there are some like some of the physical skills, just the shit that you'd be crazy not to take certain physical skills. Yeah, because I mean, boxing comes to mind. Yeah, which gives you another attack per melee. Yeah. Uh, so there's clearly tiered skills, you know. There's the you know the must have class, yeah, and versus. Um, Roadwise or safe cracking. Um, oh, and so another thing I found interesting that I didn't, it's actually, I didn't even realize until recently. Yeah. Ranged attack has nothing to do with the bonus to strike you get for your physical prowess. You didn't know that? No. I knew that. I, knew, I know it now. Well, I've always known that. Tom. Of course you did, Ross. <laughs> Ross always knows it, he said, he said knowingly. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, they might have changed that. I, actually, I think, that, well, actually, no, maybe you're right. No. Wait, did they change that? I could just mm, damn. I actually don't remember. I thought I did, but now that now I'm now I'm doubting my own. This mm-hmm. is what Palladium does to me. Like I'm doubting my own memory. Um, I can't even begin to. So that's the thing. Um, so comparing it to Third Ed. So Third Ed has like you have your character class. You have these many skill points. You can put them in these categories or in these skills. You know, fighters get access to these skills. Mm-hmm. These are class skills, and there's cross class skills. And there's a few skills that only rogues can get. And you add your attribute and the amount of skill points you have, yeah. and that's your skill bonus. And you can try these things untrained, which is just your attribute bonus. So it's a simple, clear, unified thing. covers all potential situations. So if you have someone who is trying to salvage something, which is a technical skill, and uh, starts at 35% and 5% per, per level... And the the salvage skill allows characters to find, identify, pick up, strip down, evaluate, possibly sell any debris, wreckage, and junk that they can locate. And all right, so how do you do that if you don't have that skill? You know, and what does it mean when you fail that particular skill? Mm-hmm. I mean, most of the time in uh, third ed, they tell you what happens when you fail. A few of the skills in there do list it. Like, yeah. actually, the one that comes that I can think of off the top of my head, the cooking skill, lets you know what happens with with a failed roll. Yeah, let's find out what that is. Which is like the food is burnt, like it tastes bad, kind um, of we, inedible. We have the list here. We I know. I'm just remembering what it said in the last book I read of it. All right. Yeah. Let's see here. Um, a roll failure means the food is not properly prepared. It is edible but tastes lousy. Uh, yeah. Thirty five percent plus five percent per level. So that's it, though. It's not like and also game and also and the only stat that really comes into play with your skills is your is the IQ stat. Yeah, which gives you you know a bonus per. Yeah, now they do have some. And, okay, and actually, this has always got me. It said they say that the IQ stat is represents your character's actual IQ with adding a zero to it. 
So the highest you can you could theoretically go with just rolling dice for your stats in an IQ is twenty four. Yeah, which means you would have you have an IQ of two hundred and forty. Right, which gives you a plus ten percent on your skills. Only ten percent. Only ten percent. What page is that? Jesus. And I can't even tell. It's with your. It's with this. You know the uh, the description of the abilities. It's usually usually two eighty. Okay. Okay. Actually, that leaves me another thing. Usually, that's in the first part of most Palladium books. Yeah. Now they're just throwing this shit around. The books they put together often this this shit's different. By the way, no index. No. No glow. Yeah. All right. Yeah. uh, IQ. Yeah. Plus ten percent. You're right. So if you okay, going back to the salvage skill, if you yeah. take it as a level one character and you have an IQ of two hundred and forty, <laughs> it would be forty five percent. Yeah, that's it. Now the thing, one thing is also interesting. Uh, um, remind, there's no. Uh, let me check again. I I don't see anything about like one thing that Third Ed had was, um, like. Uh, aid another like mm-hmm. you could help somebody and give them a plus two to your role you could take 10 you could t- spend more time or if you have like, you take 20 if you had enough time and if you had I, enough time and there's no chance of failure you know or losing materials or whatever you were trying to do so you have all that and you can succeed or fail based on that but there's nothing like that or you could you could have penalties if you're you know they, they had rules for how skills could be used mm-hmm. in the game like depending on the situation you could be easier or harder so players could gain the situation to re- like if they really need to salvage that engine from that you know wrecked starship or whatever mm-hmm. they could like oh all we get all the 10 engineers and we spend 5000 credits to get extra equipment so blah 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 all right here's a plus there's no rule there's no guidelines for yeah that. they mentioned that you can make things harder by giving penalties and they even list a few penalties you can give in the book right but that's it right and there, there yeah there is nothing there's no like player and player synergy right you can't you know have someone help you right which is just um i mean this is obviously isn't limited We're, to third ed no. i mean gerbs has this most systems that we've played that i have played since have had these basic eclipse phase like, rules yeah. yeah eclipse phase gerbs um there i can't think of one that doesn't have it you know palladium yeah <laughs> well <laughs> yeah <laughs> Games that I've played, so and uh, uh, go on. Although, although I will say this, I'm actually I'm going to try to list list some things that I think are positive when compared to some other systems. All right, the physical beauty stat in this one, it's it actually means something. You know, unlike like you know the Call of Cthulhu, Call of Cthulhu appearance stat, mm-hmm. it actually lists you know a bonus to charm and impress. Yeah, that's true. So you can do that. Then again, it does, then again, that's that's kind of that's kind of vague. Well, there's also mental affinity, which is really charisma. That's charisma. And that's trust and intimidate. And so why do you have mm-hmm. both of these? And But there's also, at least in one of the Palladium games, there's also the skill public speaking, which I would have thought if you have a bonus to your mental affinity, which is your charisma, surely you would have gotten a bonus to that skill. But no, you don't. Yeah. Uh, or something like this. Yeah, the stats besides IQ have no bearing on your skills. That's true. Uh, there is... I'm looking they're at actually them. they're actually almost completely independent of the skills. Yeah. So you, again, you, you so you have all these 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 attributes that are either extremely useless or extremely useful, mm-hmm. and there's no. And I'll just say, I even really don't mind the huge list of skills they have. I actually, I mean, I kind of think, oh, I have a, like a lot of options here. Mm-hmm. If I, I, you know, especially if you, like, you know, pick six skills from this class, like, oh, okay, well, I have a huge list to choose from. Mm-hmm. 
And, you know, sure, and stuff like, you know, a clever GM could find uses for them, too. You know, that, you know, that salvage skill, I mean, any, I'm sure you could, like, oh, like, well, I wasn't even planning on it, but now that you got it, I can make that part of it. Right. I, you know, I don't mind that, but it's just, they're like, the skills are a completely separate thing from everything else. Right. The only bonuses you get come from your class. Right. Uh, or your IQ. And, mm-hmm. and that's it. Like you can't even, you know, a standard thing is you can either be in like third ed in most systems is you can either choose to be a general, you know, jack of all trades or a specialist. Like you could be the rogue who fucking is really good at picking pockets and that's it. He spends as many skill points as he's possibly allowed to to pick pockets, and, you know, sleight of hand. And that takes and you take the feat of, you know, skill focus yeah, as well. So he can be really fucking good at that. Uh or stealth or whatever else. And, or you could choose to spend your points around a little average. So you're not super yeah. good at anything, but you're kind of good at a lot of stuff. Actually, that's the, you, you can't really start as an expert in anything as a level one character in this. Yeah. And a lot of other systems, you totally can do that. If you actually want like, you no, know, like, okay, I want to be like, I want to play an, a guy, an auto mechanic, a really good one. In most systems, you can do that. Okay. Then just you put your po- points into that and bump that up. Even like D20 Modern, you can do that with like, right. okay, and then take skill focus, you know, repair or whatever. Right. But in this one, all skills start at the same level besides your class bonus and your IQ. Well, not, I mean, they, they, each skill starts at a different percentage different. level. Mm-hmm. And like. some of them start exceedingly low. A lot, most of them start in the 20s to 30s, I've noticed. There's a few that start in the 50s and 40s. Yeah. There are some that start in the teens. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, creative writing, 25%, uh, sign language, 35%, uh, cowboy skills. There's a whole category of cowboy skills, uh, domestic skills, gardening, fishing. Um, and what's interesting is they're not all based like divisible by five. There's some, it's like plus it's like four gardening's 36% plus 4% per level. So, which means even if you get, uh, by I think I believe the maximum number of levels you can have is fifteen. Yeah, which I don't get. Yeah, yeah. So at the most, whatever. I'm not. It's math. So f that. It would be ninety six percent. So even uh, even if you got to the maximum level, you still wouldn't have the highest level. Right. Uh, electricity generation. So there, there. Yeah, there's uh, um, a lot of so. We've decided, yeah, the skill system, it's just, it doesn't have what any modern RPG would have. I mean, the closest one, the only other game, there is a game from the 80s we play a lot of, Call Cthulhu. Yeah. You know, the game mm-hmm. based system that. And that it's percentiles. It's percentiles. But uh, you spend the points. You choose what, it, what at the, to a maximum of 75, you choose what skills you have. Right. And everyone starts, most people have a starting percentage in most of the skills. So you can try things untrained or with minimal training or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone has geography at 5% or whatever, or, you know, uh, which ends every once in a while you can do it. So even from the 1980s, there's, there's no real reason to have this kind of very arbitrary system where it's a binary choice. You either have the skill or you don't. And if you have the skill, it's fixed. You can't really do much about it. You can't even, uh, you don't have anything like traits or feats or perks or Anything to further I've all, actually, character. Ever since third ed, I've really thought Palladium could use like feats, right, or something like that. Um, that's, I mean, that that because when you when you talk about a role playing game, you have to think about like what you want to do in it and what you want to achieve in this game. Um, and a lot of game, you know, games use their rules to to sort of enforce what kind of setting they have. And I think Universal RPG is kind of a 
really hard thing to do. And if you do it well, you have to basically be GURPS, and GURPS already exists. So it does. I do that. Um, but thank you, Steve Jackson. <laughs> thank you, Steve Jackson. <laughs> so you have something like Call of Cthulhu, which is from the 80s, but they use the rules to reinforce that you're a normal human. You have skills, but you're a very fragile being. You know, mm-hmm. you don't have classes. You can you you are whoever you say you are, or you are whatever your skills are, and. You can improve your skills, but you can't really become exponentially more powerful. So that kind of reinforces the idea that, hey, call Cthulhu. You, being a human kind of sucks because there's fucking Cthulhu and mm. he's going to eat you. And even in the core, yeah, and even in the core book of Palladium, you got the vagabond. Yeah, and then at the other end of the spectrum, you have dragon hatchling. Right, and or glitter boys, which are you know the one that, man super super cannon uh, mecha, and uh, it's. I know it's like it's a variety in choice, and yes, I like that. I really do. But in a party, if you have someone that chooses Vagabond, and then you have someone that chooses Glitter Boy, there's not a lot they can do together. Well, that's the thing. There, there have been RPGs that have done that since, and that's through since, balance. But yeah, through uh, and it, it takes some metagaming work, like in the Dresden Files, the characters will have more fate points to mm-hmm. you know. Uh, alter their roles or or be luckier or you know the kind of a game currents we haven't played Dresden Files yet so no it's it's um, on the horizon we think yeah yeah there's but there's there are other games like the the Buffy RPG had this explicitly where you could choose to be you know a slayer and be super badass or you could be a white hat you could be her little helper you know Mm -hmm. Uh, buddies and the helper buddies weren't badass in combat, but they had a lot of abilities to be lucky, to avoid getting killed, and to research and investigate. And so it's like balanced like a, the 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 ensemble TV show where everybody contributes yeah. a different way. But obviously, Palladium does. And we're picking on riffs mainly because riffs is kind of the, the it's the it is the penultimate Palladium game. Well, yeah, well, it's the ultimate Palladium game. I mean, mm-hmm. they, they haven't done anything since, so yeah, there's nothing more ultimate than riffs. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the ultimate edition, Tom. It's not penultimate. It's ultimate. Oh well, excuse, like forg- oh, forgive, forgive my presumption. Yeah, well, I'll just be p- a pendant. You see what I did there? Yeah, it about was horrible. Pen- it was horrible. Yeah, was horrible. <laughs> oh, we're gonna get some comments about that. So yeah, and um, beyond the supernatural, I don't think I I've I've played just a couple of games of it. Right. And you do most play mostly normal people. I say mostly because they're still. Magic and psionics, and right, you're still base. You're still a badass. You're still mainly a badass, right. and that's and that's really that's pretty much. And the thing is, like Palladium is really a product of the '80s, right? And I most '80s type games, you're badasses. Yeah. Period. That's just what that you was do. the thing at yeah. the time. Um, in the '90s, it was more you know the yeah even in in the nine you know the dominated by the world of darkness there's still it's the, the you know the gothic punk or whatever you're still a badass but you have fangs and you're mm. you're being all the crow about it you know like oh, yeah, thank you me? crow yeah so or edward scissorhands yeah. if you prefer um so the, the thing, uh, yeah which actually is i actually kind of think this is my opinion i think mm. the one of the most balanced palladium games was teenage mutant ninja turtles right because you you could be yeah ninjas and you had some animal powers, but that was ba- really it. Right. It was. It really came down to really your skills, the weapons you had. Right. So yeah, I really instead still to me remains the one kind of balanced Palladium game there is. Well, in the in the in the sense that the characters mm-hmm. aren't you know one person isn't a godling, the other person isn't a homeless person. Mm-hmm. You know, 
Um, I like how Vagabond is essentially like, you know, every character has their own shtick. Like, I'm a pirate. I'm a ninja. I'm a ho- homeless guy. I'm like, a hobo. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm a okay. cos. I'm a cosmic hobo. Yeah. I'm no. I'm just a hobo. That's my thing. That's my shtick. That's what I do. I'm a hobo. Like, that's it's not like very my, It's like my bindle is mega damage armor, but yeah. no, no, it's not. I'm just a hobo. <laughs> that's all I have. No, it's you had. We're just you. You still had gear, so your bindle was mega damage. No, no. You. I have the book. Do you want me to read the character class? To- I really don't want you to read from a book, Ross. <laughs> Lame right. people do that. <laughs> oh, dis. Yeah. So, you know, so going past the skills, um, which are very inflexible, I think the thing about riffs is every or the palladium system in general um, that really annoys me is every time it comes up with some limitation or you do that, the GM advice is always, oh, just make something up. Uh-huh. And just make something up. It's like, why do we even have you as a rule system if I have to make every goddamn thing up? Yeah. It, so, like, stop putting all of the, the burden on the, the GM. Like, you have to kind of put more responsibility in the fucking rules of the game. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe that's me. No, no, I see where... I, I know. I agree. It, yeah. They do do a lot. It seems to be like just... Like, then again, you just do whatever you like. Yeah. So, and that's, I think, the reason the fans like it so much is because they just do what they like. They use the rules as, as a suggestion. And they like the material that is presented. Like, there's a little, like, two pages, you know, on strength. Like mm-hmm. on the levels of strength, there's human strength, robot strength, super hu- cyborg, supernatural strength, supernatural strength, uh, cyborg strength, the juicer strength. I mean, there's there's multiple levels, so you can know exactly how strong your badass character is, which is insanely ridiculous. But mm-hmm. there you go. Uh, yeah, yeah, there you are. But um, so going past the the skills uh, and the schizophrenic layout of the book or the arrangement of information. And the lack of an index and that kind of thing. So ignoring all that, you know, ignoring all that stuff we just mentioned. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the fucking. Oh, they do have a couple things in here that are just glorious. Like I don't even see where is that. There was a whole page on phobias. Oh yeah, yeah. And it, and drug addiction rules. Here it is. There's a whole page like it's a percentile table and it goes actually goes on to the second. It's more it's a page and like part of one. Actually, that you know that reminds me that yeah it reminds me of something else. Palladium loves their random charts yeah. and rolls. Yeah, I mean for everything for character class. And once again, they all they always say you know now it's completely optional. Yeah, but they de- devote so much space to it. To be fair, it's kind of fun. Pick a number between one and hundred, Tom. Ninety-one. Doctors and scientists, and or scientists, that's what you're afraid of. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Pick one more number. I just want to do All right, cool. Um, 29. 29, huh? Yeah. Psychic healing. Jesus, Tom. I'm not doing that shit. Fuck, that's scary. <laughs> you're fucking... <laughs> Bartleby <laughs> did that. <laughs> that's okay, one more. Third time's the charm. All right. Um, 73. Devilman, a type of DB and any being with features reminiscent of a devil. So you fucking hate hospitals, you hate psychic healers, and you hate... You've got some issues. I've got got, some serious issues. You've got some very deeply, like, issues about faith, like a clown doctor attacked you with with psychic power. And he had, had, like, devil horns. Yeah, it was like Hellboy croaked you in a a darkened uh, nurse's office. Oh, that brought back some memories I thought I had repressed. So... You know, for goofy fun, yeah, if you want to do, um, have a fear of dinosaurs or elemental fusionists, (laughs) 
This is riffs, by the way. Yeah, this is apparently a new character class. Uh, you and you have random obsession tables. You have random uh, uh, personality and, modification. And, well, the thing is, toxic. You have a drunk table. Like, what happens to you when your character gets drunk? Uh, I know, and, the th- and once again, like they say it's optional, but they, they just devote so much space to it. Yeah, they do. Um, and they and I, I mean that's the thing that they they know what the, their audience likes. They their care. Obviously, the people, the fans of uh, Palladium, love character classes. Um, where they list exactly what kind of special abilities they have, what kind of equipment and yeah, they and have. yeah, you can also say you know D and D D and D had loads of classes too, well, but but it was mainly it was a few core classes and then a lot of prestige classes. Well, in third ed, yeah, but they the D and D was always kind of balanced in the material they they released. It was a lot of it was for the players. A lot of there were prestige classes, new weapons and magic spells and. Blah blah blah. Of course, a lot of the weapons and spells were for existing classes. Anyone mm-hmm. could use them. If you could use a sword, you could use this new awesome sword that was in this new book. Uh, you didn't need to be the sword wielder of Urai Kai, <laughs> who is the new OCC for Rifts World Book eighty four. Um, but or you weren't, you know, a magical tree wizard who can only who's the only one who can wield these tree wizard spells. Mm-hmm. So. Um, <laughs> But the other thing is D&D also had a lot of GM stuff. Like they had dungeons and, you know, mm-hmm. dragons and monsters and monster manuals and a lot of support for a lot the of GM. a lot of GM gear. Yeah, a lot of stuff so that people could have great adventures with it. Uh the 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 book uh with it or with the game. And in Rifts you just see the same kind of the formula of the world book introducing here's how this world part of the world is fucked up. Mm. Here are all the monsters in it, here's all the cool new shit. And here's some bad guys. Go. Go. Yeah. They're, I mean, there were a few, like, campaign books. Like, remember the Coalition War Campaign? They had, like, four books in the yeah. Coalition War Campaign. I, never, I think I saw one of those. I never... Like, it didn't do very well, yeah. as I recall. Um, yeah, it was very... And it's... Yeah, so we're talking more, yeah, getting away from the rules. I mean, we the skill... The combat is pretty much the same as skills. It's very, like... You roll. You have a bunch of modifiers to attack. A lot of modifiers, you know, to keep track of. Strike, parry, dodge, roll with punch, pull punch, yeah, pull initiative. Punch. Yeah, and but your your options are very limited, though. Despite all these bonuses, what can you actually do in battle? Let's take a look. Um, here we go. Combat rules. Step one: determine initiative. All right. Well, yeah, cool. Pretty much, pretty most much. systems have that. Uh, roll to strike. Attacker rolls to strike. Very well. Fair enough. Uh, then there's, of course, a whole set of rules about whether it hits your body armor or not, which makes a lot of fucking difference with mega damage. Shit, yeah. Um, three, defender may parry and dodge or entangle. Four, attacker rolls damage. Five, step five, defender may attempt to roll with impact. And that's it. And two against one, combat terms and moves. So there's, that's it. That's, that's all you can do in battle. Doesn't have any rules about moving. Doesn't have any rules about stunts. Uh, doesn't have any rules about tactical combat. It's it really actually this. It literally is shoot. I I like I attack him. Let's take a look here. Um, starts on three thirty nine, and the actual rules end on page three forty seven. Then there's just you know hand to hand combat bonuses. So it's just and then damage and shit like that. So. All of this, and then there's oh, there's a whole thing about ranged weapons. Um, and the only thing, and yeah, your physical prowess has nothing to do with it. Yeah, 
Oh, there's a there's a whole thing on psychic combat, which is one page, two pages, mm-hmm. three, two and a half. Uh, oh, perception rolls! Holy shit! There's perception rolls. Did you know that, Tom? I knew that. I knew they had done it in the new new edition of Rifts. Um, it's a D twenty roll with perception roll bonuses from OCCs or RCCs, so nothing from attributes. No. Um, and. Then they have a list of modifiers from 4 to 17. 4 is very easy. 17 is very difficult. Perceiving supernatural involvement. And that's it. It's a page. And and, and kind of really hidden away in the book, too. Page 367. Right after psychic combat. Yeah, it's, it's, it's buried in the book. Yeah, like, that's. I mean, the third ed D&D book, you know, you can criticize it, but at least they had, like, character creations first. Combat's next. Game, general rule or general rules. Here's mm-hmm. a, you know like and there was no, an index. skills and there know. was an index. There was an index. So it was arranged in a logical order. You know that mm-hmm. would make kind of sense. And most game systems have the rules arranged in kind of a sense that you would understand. So like you yeah. So despite all this stuff, you can't really do much with rifts. You have to or any palladium system. You have to yeah anything slightly out of that would be unusual in, in like a dragon war, you know, an old Nintendo role-playing game, you know, it, it is kind of like one of those old mm-hmm. school RPGs where like you attack spell item run, you know, like, and you do a two frame animation after you win. Yeah. And that's about it. Um, because you can't really do anything unusual in it, you know, or if you do, you have to make it up. You have no support from the book itself. So, uh yeah it's very so that so it's kind of interesting to see this and see how games have evolved and now we take all this shit for granted so back when plating was there it was the only game we knew we didn't know that like oh shit you could do this all this other stuff because the people who ran it for us i guess this again kind of mm-hmm. made it up as they went along so but once third ed started coming around and then like oh yeah we could do this i and think that's mute- the thing is like a lot of other game systems have evolved. This Palladium just refuses to evolve. I mean, we wouldn't I mean, talk about gossip, but yeah. I mean, I think it's just Kevin Symbiata realizes the cost of development is outweighed. Like, he's still making money doing this. So, like, from a business point of view, I can understand it. Like, Yeah, why? I mean, yeah, I, I don't fault him for that yeah. at all. And sh- and as I will say, like, I know I've said it, you've got everything. I still enjoy a lot of the Palladium settings. Yeah, I mean... Riff's the- actually not so much, but... Like Nightbane, I, I I think is cool. Still like at, like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and the After the Bomb stuff. I really I enjoy that. There, like there is um the the animal creations of which was uh who's the guy who it wasn't Kevin Eric uh, Wuchek Wuchek yeah Wuchek yeah, yeah Wuchek um who sadly passed away yes. several years ago but he was a great game designer that was far from his only work. Uh, but the animal mutation system was really interesting. I mean, it, had, it was a point-based system. Yeah, and you, there was nothing random about it. You, you, you. No, I mean, well, there's random roles to what you choose, but once again, that was optional. Yeah, that was optional. But well, I'm talking about actually your mutation. Yeah, actually, yeah, actually making it. You, you purchase it. Yeah, you purchase it, and you can pay for it, and you can get disadvantages by reversing mutations. You can, you know, like, uh, if you're a monkey, you could have less than partial hands or whatever, and or, so, or you know, your voice is hard to understand, right? 
So there are ways to get more or shrink your size, become mm-hmm. smaller to get more bioe points so you could uh, mutate in other ways or gain psychic powers. And that was really balanced and that was really interesting and And actually in that and then that and one totally I, unlike everything else And then, and then the, I'll actually say and and that one rolling for your background which gave you all your skills, that made sense. Like okay, okay, what how did your mutation occur? Right. And then which would then determine okay, if you were a deliberate experiment, you roll on this table. Right. And if it was an accidental, you roll on this one. Right. That and it, yeah, it made sense. Right. And you could actually get by like, you know, if, if you roll up the one, they get you don't get very like you're a completely feral animal who just brought himself up. Right. There's still you still have enough skills there to make an interesting character and play the game and have fun. Right. I mean, yeah, I mean you can do the the those those random things aren't totally like by inherently un- imbalanced, if you make every choice itself equal to the others, just mm-hmm. distribute in other ways. And, you know, Rain does that. A lot of one roll engine games do that. Um, where every choice you roll, but you like, oh, add a bump, all the points are the the, the, co- you, the number of skills and bonuses and whatever. Mm-hmm. It's still the same. So that, that yeah. Uh, and, I'll, and it does provide some interesting role playing opportunities, especially for a pickup game. But um, it, yeah, so there, there, there are, there are certainly elements of the game that work well and mm-hmm. um, of the setting. And, and I would really think if to ever run another plating game, I think that'd be the only one I'd really, well, I I, I'd really consider. I wouldn't consider it. Like I would just take the ideas that this gives me and run it in a system that actually makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like just run it in GURPS. Like, you know, GURPS is that de- could definitely you, model yeah. that. Yeah, you can. And, or you could, uh, uh, there's actually a new Kickstarter RPG. I, I, I bought called Karn, or Karen, um, which is a supposed to be like that. I mean, we'll 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 get into mm-hmm. that later on, or when I get the actual book, they're going to print it and send it in the next month or two. So when we get that, we'll do an actual well, play that. And, that. and it goes back to I, you know, once again, like that's a great. I like the setting. I like the Nightbane setting. Yeah. But the thing is, like, it's they have settings that I want to do in a different system. Yeah. Like, I would love to do a Nightbane game in a in a different system. I mean, for me, like I. I wouldn't do Nightbane itself. I would do something kind of inspired by it, but I'd do my own take on it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like the difference between doing, say, Godzilla and then like saying, fuck it, I like the idea of kaiju. I'm just going to do Pacific Rim, like Guillermo del Toro. Mm-hmm. Have you seen the new trailer? Yes, I have. Yeah. Like, oh, man. Fuck yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we're going. Rocket punches. All right. Uh, giant robot rocket punches. No, off track. Actually, no, we're talking about Palladium. We're totally not off track there. Yeah, that's basically yeah. <laughs> Riffs, Kai Pacific Rim, World Book 84. <laughs> I'm Kevin Sibieta. Uh <laughs> That would be pretty funny. Uh, so, as I said, I do not begrudge him. If he if he continues to have a successful company, that's, that's, his, that's his thing. Well, I mean, uh, you know... It's, it, but it's my right. But as a gamer, I'm going to judge that. Yeah, I mean, you, you just have to look at what the what the product is, and or what the, what the quality of the game design is. And there's just there have been so many common sense things that I think a lot of people who role play now just take for granted that you have to go back and then you see this like living dinosaur of a game, mm-hmm. and you're like, oh wow, yeah, game, man, games used to be hard to fucking manage. And, you know, there and there are people obviously still play Palladium and still have fun doing yeah. it, you know, like playing Robotech or something like that. And it's just they are so used to it. They, they I, I would be really surprised if there's any significant numbers of people playing Palladium as is. I would bet at least 80 percent of I'm obviously totally guessing, but a vast majority, you know, 70, 80 percent of the people who play Palladium house ruled the shit out of it. I would I would actually, that is a very fair assumption. I would totally agree. Like, 
That, because I, well, I ran it. I had, to, I did that all the time. Yeah. You know, just everything from alignments to skills to, uh, we're taking shit from other systems and using it, uh, to all kinds of stuff. And there's, you know, nothing wrong with that. It's just, well, if you, you're if doing all this work, why not just get a better system? You know, mm-hmm. at least look at GURPS. GURPS can do everything you, you're looking and for. And it can do it well. Yeah. GURPS people, are, oh, it's com- it's complicated. The art isn't as good. I mean, yeah, the art of GURPS isn't as good as in RIFs. But, mean, you know, you're look- yeah. is there, they're there for a, a generic universal role-playing system. Yeah. And, like, they have books written by motherfucking Ken Height. Kenneth Height. And he's a really good writer. So you should yeah. just get. You should. Yeah. <laughs> um, but let's see. What else have we hit on? Um. Yeah, no character traits. Yeah, no feats. Um, which are like, again, that's super. You know, advantages, disadvantages, and GURPS. I actually, the reason I keep bringing up GURPS is because I ran a game of it last night, uh, set in the Fallout world. Well, it's not the game's not over yet. It'll be two or three more sessions, so we'll post that. And hopefully, tomorrow. I'll be able to jump in at some point. Yeah, I wasn't in it for the first session. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. I um, would like to do it. <laughs> um, but there, the other thing, of course, is the alignment, which. Again, is a like even D and D has given that up. Like you didn't even have that really in fourth ed. Well, you kind of did. Well, there's, a, it was more like you know it was like unaligned, lawful good. Yeah, they they definitely toned it down. And I think for D and D next, they're they're gonna make it. You know, like in Dungeon Dragons makes sense because it's actual part of the physical laws of the universe. Like if mm-hmm. you're good, the universe reacts differently to you than if you're. And evil. your yeah, like your final destination will be different. Among other things, yeah, but spells will mm-hmm. affect you differently. So, you know, that kind of makes sense. It's like being made of fire, being made of ice. That shit matters in D&D. But for most in riffs, it doesn't. You know, it's just like, I'm diabolic. I am anarchist. Well, and it's, it's basically a thing that, essentially, it's, I think it's something your GM can use to remind you, hey, you shouldn't be burning down this uh, orphanage here. You know, your, your, alignment, you, your, your alignment says you shouldn't do that. I've actually, I have memorized all the alignments. Of Palladium. Okay, well, let's. Uh, uh, you, you think you you think you're a bad enough dude to remember all the alignments? I think so. All right, name so, all the alignments. Starting with good, principled, yeah. mm-hmm. scrupulous, okay. unprincipled. Ah, that's not a uh, unprincipled. Is not a good alignment. No, I'm I'm going down in the. Oh, order. I see. Okay. Unprincipled, anarchist, miscreant, aberrant, diabolic. Technically aberrant, then miscreant, but maybe they they just. I'm just going. Them. I'm just listing them off. Yeah. Um. What you know? I I realized. Why the fuck are they giving a political party an entire alignment? Anarchism is a political ideology. Like, it's like Republican, liberal as an alignment, you know? <laughs> That'd be awesome to have a game. Parliamentarian. <laughs> you know, like. Monarchist. Yeah. Constitutional monarchist. Plus five. Like, isn't this offensive to anarchists? Like, some of the, the people who design uh, Eclipse Phase are anarchists. Like, saying that all anarchists lie and cheat if he feels is necessary, it, um, feels it necessary, like, that. that's offensive to anarchists, I, I would imagine. Yeah, I would imagine. Because they're peaceful anarchists. Like, they're, you know, they're some of them you could describe as hippie-ish or not, but, like, there's the, you know, rat, rato-syndicalists and just... <laughs> A syndicalist anarchist. I mean, there's just all kinds of crazy, uh, well, not crazy, but different uh, parties and groups and <laughs> take dirty money without hesitation. Possibly betray a friend. Sorry, pal. Like, seldom kill for, for kill for pleasure. So, like, they're, they're, yeah. So, when would you kill for pleasure? Yeah. Oh, my God. So. Yeah. There's uh, a lot of interesting uh, decisions in this. And one other thing is like the the each character, like you said earlier, is 
done level one through 15 mm-hmm. and you get experience points. And when you get certain experience mm-hmm. points, you raise in level. And I have to mention the experience system they have. It has, it has a really great thing. And then, but that's also a really, it's the same. It's the same thing as a really bad thing for it. Because you know, I remember when I when I first picked up Palladium, I actually lists you know like, says you know, a lot of games. He's I think it went you know a lot of the games focus on the kill on the kill factor, getting experience, but shouldn't the thought process count? And so they make this you know this experience system to try to incorporate you know like coming up with plans and all that, which is great. But then when you look at it, that is a shit ton of stuff to keep track of. Like basically, it's every time you make a successful skill roll, you get some experience. So you have to like you have to to really to do it as the book says you have to keep track of every successful skill roll you make, and like you know, any plan you know any plan no matter how futile futile or useless. It definitely encourages like the you know a lot of old school games encourage very slow character growth mm-hmm. like where you, your character doesn't change very much from game to game. Uh, you know a lot of old school D and D games had that where it take you multiple sessions just to get to level two. You know mm-hmm. and years to get up to the high levels or something like that. But in just so looking at the Rift's experience point uh, chart table, you get twenty five ten to twenty five experience points for performing the right skill at the right time for the right reason. And then, so that's the lowest one. So you can, and then, so 10, 25 points up to 700 points, uh, experience points for a genuine life and death self-sacrifice in a situation where the character's heroism seems likely to cost him his life. Odds are the character will really die. So that's like, if you, if you try, jump if you, if you, grenade, it, yeah. but you somehow don't die, 700 experience. So 700 is the absolute most for any of these things. Now, how much does it take to level up? Actually, let's look at the Vagabond, which I think should have one of the lower uh, you know, yeah, let's take a ratios. Look. All right, Vagabond. And I think you were right. I'm looking at all these. Yeah, he has the lowest required. Uh, lowest. So um, how much does it take to get to level two? 1,875 experience points. So uh-huh. you have to fucking jump in front of two goddamn grenades and some chains. Like, you got to fucking... Kill some people. You got to uh, endanger in your own life to self. Uh, oh, wait, no, sorry. There is one better. 1,000 points for a critical plan or action that saves the entire group and or... Basically, basically like a scenario ending yeah. plan. Yeah. So you do that, jump in front of a grenade, <laughs> and then use some skills, and you can get to level two, Mr. Hobo. Good job. But you better save the entire goddamn town. <laughs> Jesus. You think this is where... <laughs> you have to pull yourself up by your bootstraps, <laughs> goddammit. <laughs> Actually, okay. For, curi- actually, for curiosity, sake, now they have it. What is the dragon? Dragon hatchling. Yes, a being who is immortal uh, has the amount of uh, can take as much damage as a tank. Has magic spells, psychic abilities. Who actually, with his breath weapon, is a tank. Yeah, he need. Well, he he needs more. He needs three thousand experience uh-huh. points uh, to get to level two. But you know, but not- he can. But he can fall on a lot of grenades. Yeah. Elemental fusionists only need twenty two forty. That's the other thing. It's all totally ra- uh, arbitrary. Like th- one class needs two thousand fifty, one needs nineteen fifty, one needs a straight two thousand twenty one fifty, nineteen hundred, twenty three hundred. Yeah, that's what. Like, you know, once again, going back to third ed, getting to level two was the, the same, same amount of experience for everyone. Yeah, Jesus, and they yeah like. You know, of course, there's nothing in this book about like balancing combat encounters, um, or this this entire RPG. Like, there's nothing in this. This is all character creation stuff. There's literally nothing in this book about like what you can fight, like for the GM. 
there's background setting material, but there's nothing about like, here's some monsters. Here's a basic. Oh, you need, well, you need the world books for that. Right. So there's literally nothing for the GM. So the G this isn't even, this is the player's guide. Yeah. This is the player's book. This isn't even the full RPG. Really? Uh, you, you need other shit to run this book. It's a good point. So, uh, man, we've just been ragging. Well, I think I felt it needed to be done. And (laughs) does it feel better, Tom? Well, the thing is, I'm always going to have a spot for this this system in my heart. I always yeah. will. It's, it's kind of faded for me. I have uh, to it's say. me. This, it's, this it, it has. It's faded. For, I mean, for me, for a little, but it's always going to be there. Yeah, I'm always going to remember this is the system I started with. I don't know. It's kind of kind of jumped the shark. Elemental fusionists. I, I got to say, I'm not. I'm not feeling that. Yeah. Uh, well. Yeah. Teach. They'll teach their own. Ross. I like that they have. Just to go and flip here. Almost three full pages of like two and a half pages worth of rules for multiple personalities. Like step one, how many personalities? Roll percentile dice two through six. So you can have two through six. Who step two? Who is the dominant personality? Uh, step three, who are the other personalities? Name each one. Roll for a random alignment for each fucking personality, and then fucking there's a two page chart to roll each uh, personality. Once again. Oh, oh, for good personalities and for evil personalities. Evil personalities include Jack the Ripper, Traitor, Greedy, Kleptomaniac, Bloodthirsty, Megalomaniac, Psychopath, Seducer, Manipulator, Gluttonous, uh, Pig, and the Pent-Up Vengeful Victim. And what are the different personalities <laughs> take to... When do they take control? That means like each one of those is like, hey, I have an excuse to end the campaign. Yeah. Like, I'm going to be, this is just giving like asshole players all kinds of tools to like justify like, yeah, I'm, oh, my Jack the Ripper personality comes in. I just slit everyone's throat while they're asleep and then I go <laughs> steal all their shit and sell it and go, you know, whoring. So that's kind of yeah. like, that's a slight crazier. Like I summon Azathoth. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, I mean, two, like fucking three pages for this. Once again, like all of it optional, but they spend so much time and space on it. Yeah, uh, this is all part of the crazy uh, for the crazies mm-hmm. uh, OCC. So, yeah, there's a lot here. So, yeah. And the thing is, I'll even say some of the Rifts World books. Yeah. I once again, I love the setting. I love some of the ideas. If they they actually in just took some of those settings and cut them off from Rifts retcon them and make them just their own RPG mm-hmm. with like GURPS rules or mm-hmm. fate that like they'd be playable. Yeah. Like you, you could just like make it not riffs like extract. And that's, it. that's the problem. Like great story ideas with the books that are unfortunately riffs, but it's just, I mean, for me, like now I can't even, it's it, the material. I could just look at it and be like, yeah, I'll do something kind of like, but do my own take on it. Like mm-hmm. I wouldn't, it, it's just too much work to try and salvage something from that. I don't have that many points. I like, I can't put any extra points in my salvage skill. It's only 35% Tom. Cause I can't do anything. You've been saving that one. Haven't you? <laughs> yeah. It just came to me. It was, oh, wow. I'm pretty proud of it. Like, it's like, it's like, I think I got a full 25 points so, of experience from so, that. Uh, so, uh, so what was that? Rob? I say like, Oh, you would working on your banter. No, 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 this is different. It's spontaneous. It's called wit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I must've, I must've rolled under my wit skill, my, my banter skill, which was 20% plus 4% per level. God damn it. So, I got 25 points of experience for it. Clearly, but not not much IQ It'll take me bonus. Another not much year. IQ bonus. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. That stung. Yeah. I failed. Okay, actually, okay. I also say, I'm tr- once again, I will try to point out some things that I did enjoy. They did finally make it where having a very low stat has penalties. 
Yeah. I already mentioned that one time I made a Heroes of Limited character who rolled up medical doctors, their education, <laughs> with like a three IQ. I was like a barely sentient being with a doctorate. I love that, though. And I know, and there was no penalty, so I yeah, I person I that's I know I'm I'm gonna say it again. Person got shot and I had to roll, and I I rolled. I, you can play that though. You can be fucking Rain Man. You can just be no, like, no. This was an IQ of like thirty. That's barely human. And and I expertly pulled it out, stitched up, healed it, and then howled in triumph with the bullet because I'm I'm a horrific devolved monkey man who just yanked, who just surgically removed a bullet from you. Again, yeah, some sort of uh, uh, savant, idiot savant. So I don't know. That's how I do it. But yeah, I'm even idiot savant with an IQ of thirty, Ross. Thirty. <laughs> Yeah. There are parrots that are more intelligent than that. Ouch. Yeah. Huge slam on parrots. I don't know. I like parrots. No, you don't. You just insulted all of them, Tom. I'm saying they I'm saying if that's the case, they could learn to surgically remove a bullet from (laughs) get buy some parrots. That'll fix yeah, yeah. Well that's Obamacare for us. Thanks, Obama. So, it's freaking birds. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, what else is there to say about the, the Palladium system? I mean, this is your show. It's a, yeah, it's basically a it's a blast from the past in not an entirely good way. No, it's a blast in the, like, riot police shooting <laughs> tear gas at the crowd. And they're, they're marching up front with their riot shields, beating their truncheons. Uh, but, that, but they're, but they're, co- but they're coalition uniforms. Yeah, of course. And they're so, they have mega damage jackboots stomping on your dice forever. <laughs> All right, with that image. Uh, All right, back, I think we've kind of covered this. Yeah, yeah, when we come back, we'll have some uh, uh, letter from Tom, uh, shout outs, uh, reader letter, and some anecdotes. Sure so, thing. All right, we'll be right back. Well, it's December again. A time of cheer, goodwill towards men, and a material consumer culture that makes Caligula look like Gandhi. Not to mention cheery songs that you hear so frequently that by the time mid-month rolls around, you're ready to draw and quarter the next person you hear starting the first few lines of Jingle Bell Rock. But thankfully, I don't have to write a letter about Christmas this year. Yep, this is a special year, one that will never come around again. This is the year, according to the Mayan calendar, that the world will end. In fact, as of this recording, only eight days remain to the end. So if you are listening to this and the world has already been transformed into a fetid husk of mass graves and ruin where the tattered remains of humanity have been devolved into cannibalistic mutants, please disregard this letter. If not, you may listen on. What makes this particular end-of-the-world prediction unique is that it isn't the byproduct of some rambling religious whack job living in a bunker in Montana, drinking his own recycled urine and talking to God on a two-way radio. No, this prediction comes from thousands of years ago, from an ancient and largely extinct civilization. It has the extra flair of coming from an ancient mystical source. Now, granted, almost all actual Mayans have said repeatedly that the date of December 21st, 2012, doesn't actually mean the end of the world, but rather just the end of their calendar cycle. I would like them to lie and say that it really does mean the end of the world, just so I can play with the perceived pandemonium just a little bit longer. Please, Mayans, I need this. Now, how can I tie this into gaming? I'm glad I asked. There are many games and scenarios that deal with the end of the world. Most of them deal with an impending doomsday and the players questing to make sure it doesn't happen. This is largely done by confronting a terrible god from beyond time and space or defeating an insane villain with his own personal doomsday machine. 
or the game slash scenario can take place after the world has already ended. This is the classic Mad Max type scenario. The world as we know it has ended and the heroes are either trying to make a new world out of the old or just to make sure they personally survive for another day. I mention this because when you think about it, how many games or scenarios exist where the end of the world is only days away and there is jack-all shit you can do about it? The answer is, not very many. When the players are faced with an impending doom, they they expect to be able to play some part in being a solution. This can be both trying to stop it or making plans to make sure at least a pocket of civilization remains. This is the old small group in an underground shelter scenario. But what if it didn't matter what preparations were made? What if the end of the world meant just that? No survivors, no hope, no chance. Could a game be made out of that? The answer I've come up with is no. I don't believe you can. Why is this? Because when placed in front of a group of players, an inevitable end of the world will make players act like, well, players. It will most likely involve an orgy of violence and partying. When left with nothing left to do but wait for the end, most players will start fucking shit up. Real people left in this scenario would do the same. If there is no tomorrow, then party like a motherfucker for today. PCs would set things on fire, kill anyone that looked at them sideways, steal everything that isn't nailed down, and have sex with everything that comes into view. In other words, what PCs normally do when left to their own devices. So who needs a doomsday scenario to do that? So, if any gamers out there decide to celebrate the impending doom by playing a very special game, I say just do what you always do when the GM hasn't given you a mission yet. Set the tavern on fire, kill the other patrons, and fuck the bar wench. In other words, Saturday night. Happy Doomsday! just a great letter hopefully the aliens that record that recover this and translate in their own bizarre binary language will uh, yeah. find it entertaining and hopefully maybe millions of years from now and uh, maybe maybe by then we'll just be we'll be like brains in jars for the migo no no we're, oh, we keep, we'll be long dead because again mine apocalypse well maybe our brains can be I'm taken. saying the alien archaeologists well, i'm saying our brains could be taken first no, no and we could run games for the migo no brains are going to survive the mine apocalypse tom all right whatever <laughs> <laughs> my brain will maybe no, not yours no my brain rocks no no my brain's worth saving ross whatever helps you get to sleep at night all right so uh shout outs uh first off the story bundle storybundle.com <laughs> you can give us a goddamn christmas gift never mentioned f paul wilson and zombies of the world together yeah and other books there trust me others. trust me ross's ego has indeed gro- grown to dangerous proportions now <laughs> i know all uh, I am bundled with all, so yeah, get that. You are filled with the joy of the bundle. Yeah, story bundle, story bundle. Oh, I'm sorry. You're goddamn right. I'll damn. get it right for posterity, Ross. Yeah, well, yeah. You have a shout out, Tom. Yeah, I do. All right, let's get fine. You your first uh, one. You know, well, you, everyone knows me and my love of old horror movies. Yeah, I found one from the '70s that the title is literally just seven S's together. That's it. 
It's like it's a movie from the seventies where a scientist wants to save people from the coming his end of the world by turning them into cobras. What's the end of the world? Pollution and all that kind of that kind of crap. Okay. He he literally just mentions like the pollution and the famines that will render mankind extinct. You will survive being a cobra with the mind of a man. Apparently. That's his plan. <laughs> I like the That's his plan. <laughs> Pollution sucks, huh? Let's fix that. Let's how do, how do we get people to survive? Let's just brainstorm people. Come on, come on. Let's think. Uh, okay. Outside the box. Okay, right. it's like, all right, this may sound crazy. Okay. Hear me out. Okay. We turn people into snakes. Mm. Cobras that can think like a man. Stop digging, you pick <laughs> gold. Exactly. Right, so And the effects are Wow. Yeah. It's 1970s special effects. Low budget. Low special. budget. I was going to say that that this is not um, that even by 1970s standards, this is low budget. Like, bad. yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, and also the also the fan like his the daughter of this scientist. Yeah. They have like this pet like python that is it's not a pet. Yeah. This is like sibling type <laughs> type crap. OK. Where like, it, you know, I'm going to there's going to be a spoiler here. Watch out. Oh, man. It gets killed and they're like. Crying and mourning over it. <laughs> that kind of family. Well, it's a snakes. Families. Cobras with human brains. Yeah. <laughs> Goddamn. Yeah. Um. All right. So my next era is a novel I read recently called The Drift. It is a Stargate SG One novel. Okay. Um. It is. I don't normally read these. Obviously. I'm. I'm I mean, I like Stargate. I, I'm not a hardcore dedicated fan, but. Uh, a friend of mine wrote it, uh, Diana Bosford, and um, so so I gave it a read, and it's actually pretty good because it's interesting because uh, once she really understands the canon of Stargate and she gets into the characters and she shows like what's going on in between episodes, like mm-hmm. hey Jack, you know it gen- uh, becomes a general and so he has a shitload of paperwork to do. Yeah, he's constantly. <laughs> they, they don't mention that part. Yeah, they don't mention that part in the show. And he's like, con- like it's kind con- like it's not just a minor thing. It's like God, oh, I have to. He spends his entire flight to Antarctica doing fucking paperwork and just like uh, got to write more letters to the women who won't see their man come home again you know like (laughs) the families won't come home because you know the the soldiers died reminds me of uh like the guys that that i the creative consultants to hot fuzz thank them for showing the paperwork you have to do after making arrests (laughs) nice uh that makes sense yeah then uh the other thing that i liked about it is you know gets into the characters and sort of like she she does this interesting thing where she she has a parallel story going where uh she's trying to illustrate uh, a problem with the character of jack with her own original character like they both have a similar problem and they're both pursuing their redemption in in a different way right. and she also does a lot of research for antarctica and so if you're interested in antarctica mcmurdo station uh the history how to survive in antarctica the the kind of culture there uh, I mean, it's not all about that, obviously, because it's, you know, fucking Stargate and there's some, mm. you know, mischief going on. But there's uh, some interesting ideas in it. And uh, uh, there's it's, you know, it's like five bucks for the ebook version. So uh, if you're a fan of Stargate, it's worth checking out. And even if you're not, if you like any of the things I mentioned, uh, it's worth checking out as Fantastic. well. Fantastic. So anyways. OK, I got one next. Uh, this one's actually a mod for Skyrim. Yeah. It's, I really love the work, the Skyrim workshop. On Steam. Some, yeah, there's some great stuff there. Yeah. One in particular that caught my fancy, I believe it is called uh, The Works of Lovecraft. Yeah. And it's literally every single story Lovecraft wrote and got published in book form in Skyrim. 
So you know, before I came before I came to record this episode, I was me and my Argonian Dragonborn adventurer was running around, and then I stopped and sat down in my house that I had built with hearth fire, awesome, and read the Dream Quest of Unknown Kadath. Okay, the entire it's it's in eight books, but the, it's a, it's it's every story word for word in book form. <laughs> The reading's fun, but I just don't like having to actually look at a book or something like that. I Why can't I read while I, I'm pretending to be an elf or a lizard person in a fantasy world? There's exactly. got to be a better way. And you know what? God bless it, there is. <laughs> I w- it, it gets better. Yeah, it does. So, <laughs> that right. was awesome. It gets, but that's, that's totally misusing it gets better there, Tom. But that, that, no. Okay. All right. Um, the more you know. The more you know. There we go. <laughs> uh, next up, I'd like to give a shout out to Miskatonic River Press. Uh, again, uh, uh, just a little note uh, conflict of interest here. Uh, I actually do some freelance work for them converting their print books into ebook format because uh, I've been learning a lot how to do that lately. Uh, so I've converted a season in Car- uh, a season in Carcosa, which is a book of Haster King and Yellow story. Wow, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's actually how I got the job. Say, hey, you guys have this Kindle uh, uh, format? Yeah, I, I can do it. Pay me some money and I'll do it. Hail Haster. Yeah, basically. And the uh, they have a bunch of books. They actually have a Kickstarter right now. It's in its last week for Punk Town, which is a setting you'd be interested in. It's called Cthulhu plus Cyberpunk, or it's the Cthulhu Mythos plus Cyberpunk. It's a series of horror cyberpunk novels uh, uh, mm-hmm. called Punk Town. Oh, that's the name of the setting. And they've got you know bio organic motorcycles and all kinds. It's kind of like um, the uh, Cthulhu Punk. Yeah. book, yeah, a little like that, but it's set in. It uses Call Cthulhu rules for it. They just made their goal, uh, but they're they're trying to reach some stretch goals. Sure. So uh, I'm going to try this get up. So you guys, uh, in the last couple of days, if you're a big horror fan, I put into it because uh, I want to get the uh, uh, PDF as well. So um, yeah, check that out. Awesome. And then uh, you, I have one. I yeah, have another. Yeah. Yeah. This one's actually a little different for me. Okay. This is actually it's actually a G-rated animated movie with singing with music in like you know songs in it like a musical which I normally never ever do I don't I'm not a, I'm actually not a big fan of some Pixar movies others I am and which ones are those Toms well Wally I did like Wally okay Wally was great which ones didn't you like Tom this is important I'm not Tom. no I'm not going to talk about it Ross. oh I see how it is but there's one I found from France that actually was kind of interesting called it's called a monster in Paris uh uh-huh. And it's essentially, you know, set in 1910 Paris, and the monster is like the, is actually a flea that was grown to human sized. Okay. And but yeah, I know it. When I first, when I first saw like a monster in Paris, like ooh, monster movie. Oh, it's an animated movie. Then I started watching. Like it's kind of cute, actually. Uh-huh. And I'm like, son of a bitch, I'm watching this, aren't I? <laughs> and yeah, it's um, I I, I kind of the thing I, that I watched yeah, and I, I liked. Yeah, and it's it's French. It's a foreign movie. What's wrong with the French? They do good stuff. Yeah, no, that's no. It's America. We're not supposed to like the French. Oh my god! Freedom fries. Ugh. Right. Yeah. Okay, Mister Neocon. Yeah. Go back to I, watching Twenty Four, Fox <laughs> News. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, torture. Go shoot your friend in the face while you're hunting, huh? <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, because right. I'm Dick Cheney. That's yeah. that's that's what the insult was about. Thank you. Yes, for I know. That, Tom. I yeah. I remember. Yeah, topical. I watch the news. Oh yeah, not- I'm topical Tom. That's me. 
<laughs> well, not exactly top. But no, it's a good movie, and actually, it's it's hard to get though. I had to get it on Amazon Canada. Okay. Because it's not released in re- it, it's not really it's not available anywhere else for uh, Region One DVDs. What's that all about? I don't know, eh? Yeah. Uh, ho- oh, are- Canadians, please don't hate us. We're sorry. We're just ignorant. You, you have a better healthcare system than we do. <laughs> we don't know what we're doing. All right. So uh, <laughs> finally, I have uh, two shout outs for Steam games that I have been playing a little bit lately. Uh, one is one I actually got for Christmas from Aaron, uh, which was Dead Pixels, which is a side scrolling game, kind of like River City Ransom, only you run around shooting zombies. $3 on Steam. So wow. I Aaron on cares my, about you. I put it on my wish list, and I was like, "Yeah, that's I like that. I want to. I won't pay myself, but yeah, that looks kind of good." Did someone buy that for me? Yeah, someone buy that for me, <laughs> and they fucking did. Yes. All right. So that's called respect. It's worth the three bucks. I was playing it last night, um, and then Legend of Grimrock. I might have mentioned this months and months ago, but I finally got around to actually playing it in depth, and it's a first-person dungeon crawler game. Uh, but it's old school, like it's like Eye of the Beholder uh-huh. or Wizardry or one of those other things where you you know. You go in straight lines, and you can rotate ninety degrees, mm-hmm. uh, and you have a party of four, and you have four, there's four, uh, four races. I remember, yeah, I remember yeah. those games. I actually have wizardry. Um, yeah. Well, there's a ton of wizardries. Uh, yeah, the, the first one is like nineteen eighty. Yeah, mine six. Yeah, wizardry one is like nineteen eighty. So, uh, but uh, Legend of Grimrock is was made by like four guys in Scandahuvia. <laughs> and I don't know which country I forgot. Scandahuvia? Somewhere up there where everybody, it's cold and wintry and everybody <laughs> has names with lots of eyes, you know. Kierkegaard Gargan. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> I'm sorry, people of Europe. For Americans, we right. can't help it. So the races are human, minotaur, and insect, and that's it. And there's three classes, human, mage, and rogue. And basically, I love, I love the co- the setup of this, which is like, you're all prisoners in the king's dun in the king's you know prisons, and he takes four of you, and you guys look strong. We're gonna fly you up to the top of Mount Grimrock, and we're gonna pardon you. You'll be pardoned once we kick you in this dungeon that no one's gotten out of. If you get out, you'll be free, but uh, good luck. Yeah, the, the manual actually explains it. The king just wants to know what's in the fucking dungeon, so every year he sends up the strongest pr- men and women in all of his prisons. And pardons them, but kicks them into the dungeon. <laughs> and so, like, it's just, he's like, I want to know what's in there. And he doesn't want to use up his own soldiers or knights. Like, so uh, King George W.? No, I don't know. Uh, 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 so the kingdom of Guantanamo. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so you're, you've all been pardoned, but you're all basically start out with nothing in in this. in the, And you, so you work your way down the mountain. There's like 13 levels total. And what's interesting is it's different from a lot, basically a lot of other dungeon crawls. While there is the typical stuff of, you know, fighting monsters, finding items, uh, there's no shops. There's no mm-hmm. gold like you can find treasures, but there's no reason to carry the treasures around. There's just like you get an achievement if you find all seven of them, but that's it. Like so, there's literally no. There's just dead weight you can find. Oh, golden statue. Oh, fine, fuck it, throw it away. Like I kept it just for role. Like uh, I was like role playing my own characters. Like we're gonna be rich when we get the fuck out of here and shit like that. And there, there's there's no healing spells either. You actually can. There's only a limited number of healing items. You actually have to make potions. Like get an herb, get an empty bottle, and then use that to uh, make a healing potion. You have to keep the bottle and reuse it. So, um, it, a little uh, Zelda Link to the Past there. 
A little bit, but it's what's really cool is like they have these puzzles that are actually it's not it's not turn based it's in real time so like you actually a lot of puzzles you have to move over trap doors before they close like there's one puzzle you hit a lever and like there's a four by four grid of trap doors that are all open but one will open and for just like three seconds and then another one open you have to move on to it in time so it's like a timing rhythm game almost as you have to move around there and it, the, a lot of it's based on physics and like pit trap logic where like you, oh, there's the pressure, the treasure, the key that I need to escape this level is on this plate, pressure plate. Well, if I put another item on it and then take the key, mm-hmm. I won't, I won't trigger the trap that will kill me. Uh, so uh, it's got a lot of clever ideas like that. And I like, I love the fact that you, you actually, you don't have healing spells. You don't have item shops. You don't have ends. You really are in this fucking dungeon. You can't get out. And, um, and so I finally beat it last a uh, uh, couple days ago, and they actually have a Steam Workshop for it too, and people are already adding their own levels to it. So there's a ton of new levels for it as well, uh, their own dungeons and stuff like that. Nice. And so it, yeah, it's it's worth checking out. And like the spellcast system is, is interesting too, because like you click on the icon to cast a spell, and you're just presented with a three by three row of like runes mm-hmm. and you have to click on the runes you want to use. You have to actually remember which runes to, like this rune and this rune cast frostbolt, but this one and this one doesn't do a goddamn thing. So you actually have to remember what runes to cast and uh, in what order you have to, have to level up your skill in order to cast certain spells. And you actually have to find scrolls that tell you what the spell, well, you don't have to find them. You can actually just metagame and look at on walkthroughs like, Oh, this rune and this rune that casts that spell I need. So nice. Yeah, it's really fun. Um, I would recommend it to people for who want to have got fun yes. playing video. Games. And minotaurs are awesome. Minotaurs are actually like I named the characters after no evil. Like Feyen was the female bar, uh, minotaur warrior who was the frontline tank. And they, like you have four characters max. And so the other one was actually Gerard, uh, who was another human fighter, was a human fighter. And then there was Preston, the <laughs> lizard man rogue, who actually had an ability he could he could attack from the back ranks with his dagger, so he was an assassin kind of. And then of course Bartleby, the insect mage. Oh yeah. And um, actually Feyen, the Minotaur warrior, was just fucking dominant. I just put all after a certain point, I just started putting dumping altar points into axe. And if I got the most powerful axe in the game, I was like hit miss miss 300 damage and like monsters might have 500 hit points at most so like i was just one shotting a lot of monsters with the fucking Feyen. um yeah. so, so reminds me of that best line you ever said from a game when a player is playing a minotaur yeah first i've been like yep i'm a minotaur hide the china <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly awesome line so <laughs> who said you, that? You, it was like it was a it was a fourth ed game you played that i wasn't in oh uh, okay uh god i, I think it's probably one of the ones uh Bill and uh, oh yeah, Dan ran. yeah. Bill, yeah, he ran a bunch of games that which I have recorded, but I've never, I've, I've I made them available in one of the ransoms, but I've never gotten much feedback on that. And also, that those campaigns never ended; like they kind of just fizzled away, like right. which is often the fate of campaigns. Yeah, which is kind of unfortunate. I think we mentioned that in an episode before. Yeah, uh, it's kind of unfortunate. That's always it is. Um, so, anyways, we have anecdotes and a and a listener letter. Yes, why don't we read the listener letter? First? Why don't you do that, Ross? Uh, all right, uh, from Jacob. Uh, oh, hi, RPPR crew. And he, he spells it with an A. Oh, hi. Like, Uh-oh. Yeah. I see what he did. Yeah. They're clever. Warm wishes for a cold season of joy. Keep up the good work. And all right, now to the point. I'm familiar with the King in Yellow uh, and a big fan of your Carcosa-themed scenarios and a teacher at my place, not USA. 
I'd like to share something with you. Today, older kids from my school, elementary, prepared for a pre-Xmas play to show off their talents, blah, blah, and the rest of the pupils that the school uh, attended and truly enjoyed it. The basic plot of the play was characters uh, from five or so well-known children's stories meet up as they learn some badass... Three witches mix their realms together. They must go to the King Baj, uh, the king of children's stories, uh, and ask him to undo the bad done by the witches. They succeed, but the king isn't powerful enough to undo the spell himself, so he asks the audience, other children, to yell with them an elaborate incantation, Santa Claus, Santa Claus, come forth and make all well. Something like that. Then, and I swear I felt I lose my sanity, uh, an impossibly tall Santa Claus enters the hallway uh, where the play took place and approaches King Baj. Long story short, all ends well. Instantly in my head materialized an actual play idea, obviously a Christmas-themed one. Why not make the players role elementary school teachers? As the day of works uh, progresses, they could witness extreme brutality on the other side of the teachers and principal beating children, etc. The PCs would explore the Carcosa-infested school building and the end uh, attend a school, a kind of play described above. Then the King and Yellow would enter only in Santa Claus robes. I hope you get my point there. Smiley face. Anyways, keep up the... keep. Uh, uh, safe, RPBR crew. Jake. The King in Yellow was Santa Claus. Mother of God. That, it's, I... Yeah. I, wow. I, I, I don't know what to say. I just... What can you say? What can, Exactly. What can you say? That's... That's... Wow. Just that... Carcosa inf- infected school. That's... An elementary school. I like yeah. that. I like that a lot. I actually probably wouldn't do Call of Cthulhu with that. I think I would probably do Monsters and Other Challenges things, but I think I totally... Uh, or Little could, Fears. Well, I think I'll do Monsters because I'm more familiar with the system, and they had the rules for weird kid skills, mm-hmm. so i just do that because we all know One Roll Engine now, so... We do. So that would just be easy. I'm actually pretty confident making Monsters now, too. Cool. Yeah, you're doing that... I mean, it, that takes a, that's the part that takes a little bit of getting used to. It does. Um, well, the whole matching roles does, but yeah, that's the most abstract part. So, uh, so anecdote. We uh, love you, one, one roll engine. So yeah, did you have any anecdotes you wanted to use in particular, Tom? Uh, let's see. I haven't really played in much lately. Yeah, we've just been doing the one shots, and uh, we have been doing actually Iron Heroes. Uh, fortunes of war which you've not been able to take part in because of your schedule uh, work yes uh but damn you money <laughs> just give you a little more hint of what's to come in i'm the- sorry master I'm, I'm sorry i didn't mean to say that money <laughs> yes yes <laughs> one mustn't offend the god capitalism uh especially in his holy month so. yeah, indeed <laughs> um in the the rpbr actual play campaign uh of iron heroes fortunes of war the first two episodes of which are on the actual play are in the uh base raiders ransom uh mm-hmm. or not ransom but preview episodes um we the players uh, in the last session had to raid this island and rid it of pirates um well actually they had to kill the pirate queen and recover a set of scrolls that had encrypted messages on them although the players didn't know that at first mm-hmm. um, they were asked to do this by the bankers guild the bank and the bankers guild they they did the, what the bankers guild wanted bankers guild would finance them to you know uh for their business ventures their personal goals all this other shit they'd extend them credit and all this other shit so the 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 players were like yeah sure we'll do that um so the the it sort of comes down to um the players starting basically a slave revolt on the pirate island and 
Well, actually, the the before they do that though, um, what's really actually Jason told you about this too. He did. Yeah. He did. Uh, before they even get this, at one point, the the they, they want to check out these these barracks near these pirate barracks near the um, slave quarters because the pair the, they basically put this guardhouse to keep, make sure the slaves don't escape, even though they're on an island. Uh, the pirates are kind of you know paranoid. Of, yeah, paranoid. So the two players, uh, Jason and Aaron, have disguised themselves as pirates. And they're trying to get into the, but there's one guard and he's like, who the hell are you guys? Oh yeah, we're with you. Oh yeah. What ship are you on? And then they make one hell of a roll. Like the sharks laugh. And they're like, okay, what are you doing here? I thought this is punishment for people. Uh, and then they, they, they totally botch all of their role. Jason and Aaron both uh, like just cannot get a cover story straight, like why they should be let in. So the pirate and they fail multiple bluff checks and diplomacy checks and they refuse to. And the pirate doesn't believe, realize that they're here as spies. He just thinks that they're trying to cause trouble or pick a fight or steal someone's money. So like, just bribe me and I'll let you in. And they're like, no, we're not going to do that. We have bribery is wrong. Oh my God. <laughs> and just Aaron could not make a role to save his life. Jason refused to accept to, to, to give out a bribe. It was just like, and Caleb was just, could not, he 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 so wished there was tacnet so he could yell some sense into them but no no, no tacnet no tacnet um later on they uh use siege weapons uh well yeah yeah on various places it was a, it was a great battle so um there 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 was a, a lot of chaos yeah uh, i also ran the second the second run of that uh pablo escobar game yes uh what do you want to what, what have you learned uh actually i've learned quite a bit i yeah. I mean, once again, I don't want to give up. I don't want to say too much, but I will say I think the second one went a lot. Well, it was a lot better. Yeah. And now, um, and using that one, I think the third one will be even better. Okay. Which I'm going to run that for a different group, though. I'm okay. actually, I'll be actually heading out of town in uh, early January, and I'll be running it for a group in Seattle. Ooh. Cool. Well, we'll look forward to hearing your. Uh, and, I'm ta- and, I'm, and I'm taking the H2, so I'll be recording it. One of your the H2s, not my H2. My H2. Yes. Because all hail the actually I just got an email from another podcast, Carpe GM. And they I like that name. Uh, or no um you you listen to Carpe GM? No, it's I the, that's a great name. Oh yeah, it is. Um was it Carpe GM? No, it was some other it was another it was actually another they did email me, but it wasn't about the Zoom H2. There was another podcast that like I think it was called Little Big Table or something like that, or Big Table or uh, Big Table RPG or something like that. I'm sorry if I, I I'm screwing up names, uh, horrible names. Uh, they messaged me on Twitter saying like, "Oh, thanks to your advice, we got our own Zoom H2. It's working great." And I'm just like, "Hell yeah!" It's like it's it's Zoom H2, motherfucker. Yeah, yeah. it's a, it's a really fucking good digital recorder, and it's the best. It is. Uh, so and you will love it. It is. Yeah, pretty much. Or you will die. Well, well, just not. In, you don't need to go so happy. Death, Ross. No. Death. <laughs> it's okay, Tom. <sighs> we know how you feel about the Zoom H2. I have like a I have like psychosexual response to it every time I hear it, Ross. You know this. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And uh, on that note. <laughs> yeah, you you are a bit mega damaged. Whoa! Yes. All right, making that a little topical. All right. Punny. <laughs> Uh, so on that note, this, uh, this is probably a good uh, time to end the episode. So this has been a role-playing bubble radio, RPPR episode 81, Mega, Mega damaged. damaged. And uh, this is Ross Payton. And, and I'm Tom. Uh, Church. And, and we'll catch, we catch you after the apocalypse. <laughs> yeah.